Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back to today's episode of Everyday Truth. So glad you joined us as always. Looking forward to introducing you to uh, my friend Joyce from uh, Tampa, Florida. Joyce, thanks for sending in the postcard. And wow, uh, such uh, helpful and encouraging words uh, that you uh, gave in your postcard. Hey, uh, Joyce said she likes to binge watch or binge listen uh, to Everyday Truth. And But here's the part about her postcard that really grabbed my attention. She said, Coffee is more enjoyable while watching Everyday Truth. Now, I don't, I don't know, but that, that might be the best uh, compliment I've ever received. Coffee, I have made coffee more enjoyable to at least one person, person in this world. So, Joyce, thank you for that. Thanks for the postcard. Thanks for listening. means a lot to me. Hey, Mark chapter 5 is our text for today. And what we're finding in the book of Mark is action, action, action. Jesus on the move. So we talked about a busy day in the life of Jesus, how that he taught these kingdom parables, dealt with some opposition uh, there in Capernaum. And then uh, at the end of that busy day, he gets into a boat. The Bible makes it very clear it was that very same day. And in the middle of that night, you got that storm. Jesus is sleeping. Disciples are fretting. And then peace be still. Jesus calms the storm so that a great storm becomes great calm. That's a a good little metaphor of our salvation, isn't it? Before Christ, we lived in a great storm, a storm of sin, a storm of sinful addiction. And then Christ came in and we have great calm, a peace in our heart, a peace that passes all understanding. Uh, And here now Jesus lands. So remember, he's going to the other side. He has a purpose uh, for that journey. And we're going to find out today, you know, what was the purpose for which Jesus said, let us go onto the other side. So uh, Mark chapter five, verse number one, where the Bible says, and they came over onto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. So a Gadarene was from a place called Gadara, a Gadarene from Gadara, like a like a, a Nazarene would be from Nazareth, a Gadarene would be from Gadara, and Gadara is one of these 10 cities. Remember I said that the other side was uh, an area comprised by uh, 10 Greek city-states, one of which was Gadara. And so Jesus comes to a place called Gadara, noted for its steep cliffs. And I've been, uh, as I said, I've been here. I've traveled along that eastern road along the Sea of Galilee. There's a a great lookout point that you can stop at and kind of envision the the cliffs right there. And uh, this story that's going to unfold here in Mark chapter 5, it's a great place. I like to take people and tell this story. So Jesus now gets to the other side. Uh, The last part of his journey is smooth sailing. Why? Because it's a great calm. And so it's the the early morning hours. Maybe light is just kind of dawning uh, here. 
Uh, it would be shadowy because as the sun rises, it rises in the east. So you get a beautiful sunrise on the, when you're on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. Oftentimes we'll stay in a place called Tiberias, which is on the western side. And you'll see that sun rise up over the Golan Heights. But when you're on the eastern side, you're kind of in the shadow of those mountains. So picture that as Jesus arrives here uh, on that morning. And it says in verse 1, they came over unto the other side of the sea, unto the country of the Gadarenes, and watch what happens when they arrive. Verse 2, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Now, I, th- I feel like this is one of those times when it's very important to compare Scripture with Scripture. I think you understand that uh, the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all tell of the story of Jesus and of his ministry in varying degrees. And some sometimes the same story is told in several of the Gospels, especially Matthew, Mark, and Luke that we call the Synoptic Gospels. And sometimes when you read these stories, you'll get details in one that are not in another. And what, what, what do we make of that? Do we say, oh, well, that must mean that the Bible contradicts itself? Well, that would be a very negative and prejudiced view of the Bible, would it not? Would it not? Let's say that I interviewed four people that all went to the same basketball game and said, describe your experience. Well, I mean, they, they might all say some of the same things. They might all give me the score of the game. They might all tell me the size of the basketball court. They might all uh, tell me what the color of the uniforms were. Uh, But one might describe the concession stand, while another one might describe uh, what the people next to them were wearing or whatever. In other words, the fact that one would tell me something that the other would not tell me or would add other details doesn't mean that one is wrong and the other is right. It just means they had a different vantage point. Maybe one was sitting in the nosebleed section. Maybe one was sitting courtside. Maybe somebody had special passes to go to the luxury box and eat all the food up there. I mean, depending on your vantage point, you're going to give a different description, some of which will mirror the descriptions of others, some of which will complement their description. And such is the case with this story in the Bible, because in Matthew's account, we read that there was not one, but two of these maniacs that approached Jesus. Now, obviously, Mark is centering in on the one, the one whose life was most profoundly touched, the one that was kind of the main one in the story, and that's what we're going to follow in Mark chapter number five. So look at it, verse two. So when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. So, wow, verse 2 is all about uncleanness. Uh, First of all, Jesus is in a place that's unclean. It's kind of Gentile land. So to the disciples, even the place is unclean. But then on top of that, the tombs itself, uh, themselves, they are unclean. Uh, It would be unclean for uh, a Jew to walk in a cemetery, to be among the dead. And then this man is possessed of an unclean spirit. So you might say that the uh, the title of this verse would be unclean, unclean, unclean. Uh, this this uh, demon-possessed man that's running at Jesus the moment he lands on that shore. 
And remember, Jesus is the one that suggested the night before, let's go to the other side. So there's a purpose in this. And understand that in just a few moments, when this episode is over with this man, Jesus is going to get back in that boat and sail right back where he came from. Now, now that seems odd. Why would he have told the disciples, let's go to the other side, and then one little episode with one man, at least this one man we're dealing with, and then go back over to where he just came from? Well, it must mean that the entire purpose for going to the other side was about this one person. And I just love that about the life and ministry of Jesus, that oftentimes a story or a decision centered on helping and healing even one person. Remember that uh, story there in John chapter 4, where uh, the Bible says he must needs go through Samaria? And remember, as he went through Samaria, that Jesus met one woman at the well, and that one woman made a profound difference, having heard, having believed upon Jesus as Messiah, she made a profound difference in her entire area. And what we're going to find in Mark chapter 5 is a very similar story, that this one person, this one interview with Jesus, this one encounter caused this man to have a profound influence among all the cities of Decapolis. We're going to see that. So very similar story. Look at verse uh, number 3. The Bible says about this man who had his dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him, no, not with chains. So this man lived in the cemetery. He lived in these caves that dotted these cliffs. He was an outcast of society. Uh, All of society's efforts to help him had failed. And they weren't even trying to help him. They were just trying to help themselves by containing him. Uh, He was a wild man. He was a demon-possessed man. They had attempted to incarcerate him. They attempted attempted to restrain him. And supernaturally, with almost demonic power, he had been able to extricate himself from all of the shackles and the chains uh, that bound him. So think about this man. This man, unclean, 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 full of a devil, living in um, obscurity, living in the, the tombs, not able to be controlled. Wow, this man has it bad, doesn't he? Look at verse number four, because the Bible says that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, fetters, so around your the legs and arms, And the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. So think about the picture that Mark is presenting in this gospel. He's he's giving us the picture of this wild man, this demon-possessed man, this crazy man, this isolated man, and society could not do anything to ameliorate the situation, to make it better, to help him, or even to restrain him. There was nothing that any man could do. I I think about this story in my mind wanders to John chapter 5, where Jesus was down there by the sheep gate at the pools of Bethesda. And there was that lame man 
impotent man who had been there for 38 years and could never find help. And remember, when Jesus asked the man, do you want to be made whole? The man really didn't even answer the question, did he? What the man said was, well, I don't have any man to help me. I have no help. Boy, if I could just get help from some human being, then I would have an answer. And of course, that was an erroneous view, was it not? Because the, the help of man is insufficient in situations like that. The help of man was insufficient in this situation. No, this was a situation where only Jesus uh, could help. And such is the situation with sin uh, in the lives of human beings. It's a situation in which only Jesus can help. When there is the shackle of sin, when there is the, uh, the, the, the enemy of the devil, then only the strong man, only Jesus is the one that can counter uh, that. So we're, we're setting a scene, aren't we, here in Mark chapter 5. Uh, if you would look at verse number 5, where the Bible says, and always, so think about the chronic condition of this man, and always, night and day, no rest, no respite. This is his everyday 24-7 experience. So, and always, night and day, he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying. So there's just the pathetic pain and frustration of this man and cutting himself with stones. So self-loathing, uh, self-injury, cutting himself. Obviously, there's a deep spiritual problem here. And it tells me really something about the devil, that he is a liar. He has come to, to, to steal and to kill and to destroy. He wants to steal one's life and vitality, one's peace. He wants to destroy a life. He's not there to save. He's not there to help. Followers of Satan and those that are controlled by him are not benefited by him. And the Bible teaches that this man is known for his sorrow. He's known for his crying. He's known for his isolation. He's known for his uncleanness. He's no known for his self-destructive behavior. And such is the nature of sin. Even today, uh, there has been a resurgence in recent years of cutting oneself and depression and, and isolation and a lot of times in society, we want to always ascribe to that, well, it's just a mental illness. And I'm not, I'm not discounting that there are things as mental illness. There certainly are. But, but I wonder uh, many times that the problems that people face and the isolation that becomes their new normal and the self-destructive behavior, but I wonder sometimes if we just don't ignore the fact that people are in a great spiritual battle as well. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And the devil and his force, they are a real uh, enemy in the lives of people. And they are doing all they can to destroy uh, God's creation. And we're finding it right here in a poignant way uh, with this maniac of Gadara. Now, I'm going to stop us right there for sake of time. We'll come back to this and talk a little bit more about how did Jesus deal with such a profound situation as this? I think you know, but there's some important details I want you to see. So join us next time. Thanks for joining us today. God bless you, my friends. 
Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.